All right. My next book is called Mr. Perfect on Paper by Jean Meltzer. This matchmaker has met her match. Dara is the third generation of matchmaker in her family, after her mother and grandmother. But she's taking matchmaking into modern times as the creator and CEO of JMate, the popular Jewish dating app. Just a note, not J-Date, for those of you who think that, that she's trying to steal something. Yet while her app has been responsible for thousands of people finding true love, her own love life is rather empty. When Dara and her beloved Bubby, or grandmother, appear on television to talk about matchmaking, the last thing Dara is expecting is for her grandmother to humiliate her on air by sharing her secret checklist for the perfect Jewish husband. But the segment is such a hit that the show's handsome host, Chris Steadfast, proposes that he find men that meet Dara's characteristics and that she should go on dates with them on the air. Of course, the more time that Dara spends with Chris, the more she realizes that he's the one she wants. But the non-Jewish widowed father is not the match that Dara has in mind. Should she settle for merely content with a man who checks off all the boxes on her list? Or should she choose the man who makes her heart beat faster, regardless of the complications? This book was so good. Excuse me. It was romantic, funny, poignant, and it really gives an in-depth look at Judaism and the tug of war people feel when dating and finding a mate. It's also an emotional look at starting over and provides perspective on living with generalized anxiety disorder, which is something that Dara deals with on a daily basis. Um, I gave this book four and a half out of five stars. I just thought it was so much fun and just lovely. I loved the relationship between Dara and her grandmother. I loved her grandmother. She reminded me of all of my grandmothers who are no longer with us. And um, and I remember having arguments with my mother when I was growing up before um, I acknowledged my sexuality about how important it was to marry within the Jewish religion. I did, but, um, you know, uh, not quite what she had in mind. Uh, so, yeah, it, this was fun. Um, she also wrote The Matzo Ball, um, which uh, I enjoyed, but not as much as this one. I love this book, so. Okay, well, I had this on my list because I have The Matzo Ball. I haven't read it yet. I was saving it for around the holiday season, but I might move this one up before that one because I know, did you like that, The Matzo Ball? You liked it okay. It was okay. Yeah. And I mean, actually, what's interesting about this book, Mr. Perfect on Paper, is part of it takes place around the Jewish holidays, which start at the mm -hmm. end of September. So if you want to time it appropriately, nice. there you go. So <laughs> I do. I do. I want to time it appropriately. Thank you. Sure. Um, well, the next one that I have is actually my, my last pick is a backlist book that I have had on my stack for a while. And I have been reading some backlist because I was on vacation and I feel like I got a little bit of a break and there were some things that I wanted to read. And this is The Perfect Find by Tia Williams. Seven Days in June is one of my all-time favorite romance novels. And if you haven't read it, just 
do it because it's so, so good. And that was my only book that I had read by Tia Williams. But I believe she has three out, and this may have been her second one, if I'm not mistaken. So I guess I didn't read Tia's like bio because all of this didn't hit me until I read this book. She began her career as a beauty editor for magazines like Elle, Glamour, Lucky, Teen People, and Essence. And I think that's why this book works so well. It's because she can speak to the well-crafted authority on the subject with a main character being a former it girl fashion editor returning to the fashion industry. In our story, Jenna has to return to the fashion scene following a really devastating personal breakup and losing a coveted position at a magazine. So now she's 40 and she has to take on a lower level role at a new company and to like top it off, she has to take it from one of her arch enemies who is now running this scene. And what adds to this strained dynamic is that a chance encounter with a 20-something guy ends up causing her some unexpected strife at her new job. She basically goes to a party. She's trying to get her groove back. She ends up making out with this guy just randomly, not normally something she would do, but really just feeling fun that night in particular. And this guy is the guy that is in charge of her new web series that she has to work on. And she is her arch enemy's son. So they have a secret romance that's causing distraction at work, but it also brings a lot of creative energy to their projects because they have a lot of tension. Because at first, they're not going to give in to it. And so they are trying to keep that under wraps and it makes them do better at collaborating together. But of course, they can't keep it simmering for very long and there are unintended consequences along the way. So being a middle-aged woman, I'll just admit, I love stories that are embracing women, finding themselves at this age. And this one includes a sexual awakening. I feel like the bigger themes also were like challenges that social media brings, for example, to someone who is trying to re-enter the work field, um, humbling ourselves when we take on new roles, also our just ability to reinvent ourselves at any age. If you were a fan of the idea of you, and when I think of that, I think of high steam levels. If you have read it, you know what I'm talking about. Or even The Devil Wears Prada. If you're looking for another steamy, steamy romance, this should fit the bill perfectly. I do think that this lacked a little bit of the depth that I found in Seven Days of June, but it still had a really smart backstory for her character, and she makes up for it with a well-developed love story that I feel like the ending was incredibly satisfying for me as a reader. I also had a lot of fun looking up brands and got a little obsessive uh, going on ThreadUp trying to replicate some of these fun looks that she had invented for this time when she's working in the industry. So I gave it three and a quarter out of five stars. Have you read this one, Larry? I haven't read this, although I have it. Seven Days in June, I will plus one everything that you say and um, say that it was easily one of my favorite books last year. It was absolutely phenomenal in every single way. That one I can definitely speak highly of. Yeah. Um, 
this was fun. It was it was a lot lighter, I think. And, you know, I think Seven Days in June, because they had more of a bookish setup, I enjoyed that maybe a little bit more as a reader. But I, I really enjoyed this. But I could not possibly enjoy it as much as this final book that we are finally going to get to hear about from you. So I have been waiting on pins and needles for this moment. And, and those of you that have been in Patreon know... We've, we've been waiting a long time for this. Let's hear about it, Larry. What is it? I'm not sure what you're talking about. But what I did <laughs> want to say is that um, the book, uh, another book that I reviewed that will be in the newsletter um, is called Kia Das's Second Act by Sopan Deb. And that was uh, a really, really great book. But I think the book that we're talking mm-hmm. about is a little one you might not have ever heard of called Carrie Soto is Back by a a little-known author named Taylor Jenkins Reid. So needless to say, I waited until it came out because Book of the Month Club uh, disappointed me by not making it one of their August picks. Shocker. So I had to wait until August 30th, and I think I downloaded it like 6 a.m. Eastern Time on Amazon. (laughs) Because I just needed to finally get to it. So was it worth the hype? Hmm. Yes. Yes. A million times. Yes. (laughs) Thank God. Um, This was one of my favorite quotes from the book. My ambition has long felt oppressive. It is not a joy. It is a master that I must answer to. A smoke that descends into my life. Making it hard to breathe. It is only my discipline my willingness to push myself harder that has been my way through. It's been a couple of months since my dearest friend was privileged enough to read this. So (laughs) I'm going to just do my whole review, even though you might remember how fusibly she gushed (laughs) about the book uh, a couple of months ago when she got to read it much earlier than me. Um, Yeah, you thought I was going to stop, didn't you? (laughs) You earned this. Yeah. Carrie Soto was raised by her father, a former tennis player from South America, to become the greatest player in the world. She was singularly focused on this goal, a ruthless competitor who made no friends and absolutely hated losing. In the late 1970s and early 1980s, she rose to the top of the game, winning a record 20 Grand Slams, and becoming number one in the world before retiring. Known as the Battle Axe while competing, she lives a fairly lonely existence with few friends and no real romantic relationships. But in the mid-1990s, as she watches a new women's tennis star's meteoric rise, Carrie starts to get hungry to play again. And when this player, Nikki Chan, Ties Carrie's record of 20 Grand Slams, Carrie decides it's time for a comeback. But can she play the kind of tennis she needs to at age 37? And can she win one more Grand Slam to take the record? Taylor Jenkins Reid has long been one of my favorite authors, and I have not made it a secret that I have been eagerly anticipating this book for eh, a month two months, 17 months, I'm not really sure. It's a fascinating, emotional, 
totally compelling story. But what impressed me so much was that she created an entire world of tennis from the 1970s to the 1990s. She didn't just drop Carrie into the middle of the real players and have her play Chris Everett and Martina, Tracy Austin. She invented a whole stable of players and rankings and and all of that. Commentators. It, it was like world building in a fantasy novel. And that just so impressed me. I devoured this book. I mean, I said I downloaded it at like 6 a.m. I mean, I was done with it in the evening. I almost called in sick to work. I'm the boss. I'm allowed to, but I didn't. Um, so, of course, the worst thing is now I have to wait for her next book, which, of course, I'm sure that Amy will read before me. But um, Taylor, if you're listening, I loved it. And if I could get your next book before Amy, that would be awesome. Because yeah. I'd like to gloat for just a tiny bit. I gave this five out of five stars. Although to quote Amy, I would have given it 10 if I could. Yeah. So. Uh, at last, I'm just wondering what you can be petty about next. Because now this is off the table. We're going to have to find something new. Um, do I really need a reason to be petty? I don't think you know me as well as I thought you did. Um <laughs> I do not need a reason to be petty. Well, genuinely, I am just so happy that you liked it because the worst would have been all of that buildup and anticipation for a mediocre book. I think her timing was so smart, too, with everything that's going on with Serena Williams and retiring and everyone's cap- capturing that within this book as well, like that intensity and the way that she played out those matches and everything felt like so real. It really did feel like you were reading a memoir instead of just like a, you know, fictional character, honestly, like the way that she built that out. And again, it's kind of like what I was saying about Wade's book. I have no interest in sports at all. I am the most unsporty person. And if you motivate me to care about a sport, then that is a testament to your writing. And I was like hanging on the edge of my seat in the matches that she wrote for these characters. I just thought it was so, so good. And I'm so happy you got to read it. And Larry could have gotten it earlier for those of you that may have missed that in past episodes, but he chose to wait because he knew that he would be done with Taylor's books. And so we are both now waiting, but he could also have that opportunity possibly in the future. And so that puts us on the same level playing field some of us just are waiting out of choice which is wonderful and i'm glad for you (laughs) but i just want to be clear that it was not any advantage except for the fact that um he wanted to wait yeah i mean i read malibu rising like three or four months before it came out and then it came out and everybody was like i love malibu rising and Oh, it was so good. God, that hurts. Um, but um, probably hurt everybody's ears too. So I apologize. <laughs> but um, and yeah, I mean, it's like that's what happens when you read books early. Is then it all you see them again, and you're like, oh, now I have nothing to read of hers. Yeah. And and honestly, like up until recently, I still was holding on to one of her backlist books, but I finally broke down and read it. So I have nothing of Taylor. Okay, so I've read all of Taylor's books too. Top three, your opinion. Um, One True Loves, which, I mean, honestly, not well known, but God, I love that book. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Evelyn Hugo, mm-hmm. and maybe this one. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, that's that's you know I think definitely those three. Yeah, I would say um, this one, Evelyn Hugo. And I would actually say after I do. I, I think mm-hmm. that one just hit my sweet spot. But I also loved One True Love. So I'm glad that you brought that one up, too, because yeah, I think a lot of people didn't read amazing. those. Yeah, yeah, it was just amazing. Yeah. So I was just really, really glad that I liked it. I was so worried, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, because of all of the hype. And also, mm-hmm. I just didn't know that I would be able to do the show either if I hated it. Yeah, because, that'd be embarrassing, you know, right? Of the whole, like tomorrow tomorrow and tomorrow thing um which i stand behind um and i and i did notice yeah um yep and i did notice though that it the rating is still very high on goodreads so i'm i'm feeling feeling good about my position but there are many people like you larry i i could i could introduce you to a few friends who also did not enjoy that one (laughs) i enjoyed it i just did not love it as much as you did so shocking (laughs) So do you want to talk about the books that are coming out in the next couple of weeks? Yes, I do. I can't wait. Oh, also, another book that I read that'll be in the newsletter is amazing. It's called The Trees by Percival Everett. It just got shortlisted for the Booker Prize, and it is fantastic. Um, I forgot that I had that there, too. Okay, let's talk about upcoming releases, starting with Less is Lost by Andrew Sean Greer. In the follow-up to the best-selling and Pulitzer Prize-winning Less, a novel, the awkward and lovable Arthur Less returns in an unforgettable road trip across America, September 13th. A Very Typical Family by Sierra Godfrey. For fans of Emma Straub and Jennifer Weiner comes a heartfelt, darkly funny novel about learning to love and forgive your family even when they accidentally put you behind bars. All families are messy. Some are disasters. Number 13. Always the First to Die by R.J. Jacobs. For fans of Riley Sager with a classic slasher twist comes a chilling thriller following a former horror movie actress who returns to the set of her most famous film and is soon entangled in a series of terrifying events that resemble the plot of that one cursed movie, September 13th. How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water by Angie Cruz. From the beloved author of Dominicana, a Good Morning America book club pick and women's prize finalist, this is an electrifying and indelible new novel about a woman who has lost everything but the chance to finally tell her story, September 13th. I'm the Girl by Courtney Summers, the next searing and groundbreaking queer young adult novel from New York Times bestselling and Edgar Award winning author Courtney Summers. I'm the Girl is a brutal and illuminating account of how one young woman feels in her body as she struggles to navigate a deadly and predatory power structure while asking readers one question. If this is the way the world is, do you accept it? September 13th. I Walk Between the Raindrops by T.C. Boyle. A virtuoso of the short form, T.C. Boyle returns with an inventive, uproarious, and masterfully told collection of short stories characterized by biting satire, resonant wit, and a boundless, irrepressible imagination. September 13th. All That's Left Unsaid by Tracy Lean. 
For fans of Everything I Never Told You and The Mothers, this is a deeply moving and unflinching debut following a young Vietnamese-Australian woman who returns home to her family in the wake of her brother's shocking murder, determined to discover what happened. It's a dramatic exploration of the intricate bonds and obligations of friendship, family, and community. September 13th. Lucy on the Wild Side by Kerry Rea. A zookeeper always on the fringe learns to go after her wildest dreams, including a certain television star, in this charming and laugh-out-loud romantic comedy by Carrie Rea, author of The Wedding Ringer, September 13th. Like a Rolling Stone, a memoir by Jan Wenner. Rolling Stone founder, co-editor, and publisher Jan Wenner has been called by his peers the greatest editor of his generation. His deeply personal memoir vividly describes and brings you inside the music, the politics, and the lifestyle of a generation, an epoch of cultural change that swept America and beyond. September 13th. Dinners with Ruth, a memoir on the power of friendships by Nina Totenberg. Celebrated NPR correspondent Nina Totenberg delivers an extraordinary memoir of her personal successes, goals, and life-affirming relationships, including her beautiful friendship of nearly 50 years with Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, September 13th. The House Party by Rita Cameron. It's the party of the year. Afterward, nothing ever will be the same. When a house party goes terribly wrong, a suburban town fractures, exposing disturbing truths about the community. Perfect for fans of Little Fires Everywhere and Ask Again Yes, September 13th. The Makeup Test by Jenny L. Howe. In this smart, swoony rom-com debut, two college exes find themselves battling against each other and their unresolved feelings for a spot in a prestigious literature PhD program, September 13th. The Winter Orphans by Kristen Beck. A poignant and ultimately triumphant novel based on the incredible true story of children who braved the formidable danger of guarded, wintry mountain passes in France to escape the Nazis, from the acclaimed author of Courage, My Love, September 13th. Typecast by Andrea J. Stein. Callie Dressler thought she'd put her past where it belonged, behind her. But when her ex-boyfriend brings their breakup to the big screen... She can no longer deny that their history has been looming over her all along. September 13th. Bliss Montage. Stories by Ling Ma. What happens when fantasy tears the screen of the everyday to wake us up? Could that waking be our end? A new creation by the author of Severance. Bliss Montage crashes through our carefully built mirages. September 13th. The Epic Story of Every Living Thing by Deb Coletti. From the award-winning author of A Heart in a Body in the World comes a gorgeous and fiercely feminist young adult novel. When a teen travels to Hawaii to track down her sperm donor father, she discovers the truth about him, about the sunken shipwreck that's become his obsession, and most of all, about herself. Number 13. Forsaken Country by Alan Eskins. Three fathers collide far beyond the reach or safety of the law in this breathtaking thriller from the beloved author of The Stolen Hours and The Life We Bury, September 20th. Drunk on Love, 
by Jasmine Guillory. Margot runs the family winery with her brother. When she meets Luke, they have the perfect one-night stand. That is, until the new hire at the winery comes in, and it is Luke. Can they keep their relationship professional? September 20th. Something in the Air, H-E-I-R, by Suzanne Enoch. Smart, capable heiress Emmeline Pershing will do anything to keep her beloved home. And all it takes is an arranged marriage and a teeny white lie to fulfill her family's silly inheritance rules. But now her little fib means that she and her completely unsuspecting husband are going to inherit very big and very messy trouble. September 20th. The Kiss Curse by Aaron Sterling. The follow-up to Sterling's New York Times bestselling hit, The X-Hex, features fan-favorite Gwyn and the spine-tingly handsome Wells Penhallow as they battle a new band of witches and their own magical chemistry. September 20th. Dreamland by Nicholas Sparks. Colby Mills once felt destined for a musical career until tragedy grounded his aspirations. Now the head of a small family farm in North Carolina, he spontaneously takes a gig playing at a bar in St. Pete Beach, Florida, seeking a rare break from his duties at home. From the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Wish comes a poignant love story about risking everything for a dream and whether it's possible to leave the past behind. September 20th, The Old Place by Bobby Finger, a big-hearted and moving debut about a wry, retired schoolteacher whose decade-old secret threatens to come to light and send shockwaves through her small Texas town. September 20th, The Matchmaker's Gift by Linda Cohen Leugman. Is finding true love a calling or a curse? Even as a child in 1910, Sarah Glickman knows her gift. She is a maker of matches and a seeker of soulmates. But among the pushcart-crowded streets of New York's Lower East Side, Sarah's vocation is dominated by devout older men, men who see a talented female matchmaker as a dangerous threat to their traditions and livelihood. After making matches in secret for more than a decade, Sarah must fight to take her rightful place among her peers and demand the recognition she deserves. September 20th. The Winners by Frederick Bachman, a breathtaking new novel from the New York Times bestselling author of Anxious People and A Man Called Uwe. The Winners returns to the close-knit, resilient community of Beartown and Us Against You for a story about first loves, second chances, and last goodbyes. September 27th. Jacqueline in Paris by Anne Ma. From the best-selling author of The Lost Vintage, a rare and dazzling portrait of Jacqueline Bouvier's college year abroad in post-war Paris. An intimate and electrifying story of love and betrayal and the coming of age of an American icon before the world knew her as Jackie. September 27th. Shrines of Gaiety by Kate Atkinson. The number one national best-selling, award-winning author of Life After Life transports us to a restless London in the wake of the Great War, a city fizzing with money, glamour, and corruption in this spellbinding tale of seduction and betrayal, September 27th. And Meet Me Under the Mistletoe by Jenny Bayliss. 
In the latest from Jenny Bayless, the author of The Twelve Dates of Christmas, a city bookshop owner heads to the English countryside for a holiday reunion, only to face her childhood enemy, September 27th. See, I've gotten so verklempt over all of these books. (laughs) I love it. I'm so excited. There's so many good books on here. I've been reading The Matchmaker's Gift, and it is beautiful, and I highly recommend it. That is one that I've already been starting off of this list, but now you've given me a million more to enjoy, and I love hearing about some of the repeat authors coming back for books that I want to read now. Yeah, I mean, there are so many that I'm interested in. Um, I'm a sucker for Nicholas Sparks. I think I surprised you with that the last time. Um, But I'm mostly waiting for the winners by frederick bachman and i actually have uh, an advanced reader copy it's like 800 pages it's like what really yeah so yeah so i have to decide when i'm ready to settle in with that wow yeah those are nice though for fall reading yeah a big chunky book i love it Well, those of you that are new here i just want to let you know that the reviews and all of these books that we've mentioned today not only go into a written newsletter that Larry and I put together, but we also drop them into a spreadsheet with all of the books that are mentioned. They're all linked so that you can easily find them, pre-order, order whatever you want before um, it comes out now that you have the scoop on it. I also want to remind people that this is what's sitting behind the paywall. If you have not been a Patreon subscriber, you really are missing out. This is just one of many features that you could be enjoying. It's $5 a month, or you can prepay for a 10% savings. And Larry shares all of his best books. And we're so, so thankful to have him be a part of the team at The Book Gang. Larry, thank you. This was the highlight of my month. I also am so happy that you love the Taylor Jenkins read. So I don't have to worry about that anymore because it would have been absolutely devastating to me to know that you didn't love it. So now we we're all squared away. We're all evened up. Everybody's got an even board right now. So I can't wait. Although maybe I'm mad about Frederick Bachman right now. Mm. Yeah, it's 800 pages. <laughs> maybe um, I'm not. Maybe I'm yeah, not. I was just saying. I, I don't think y'all are. <laughs> well, um, thank you, my friend. I appreciate well, you so much. You know, I love this more than anything and love talking to you and love sharing our love of books uh, with um, everybody that listens. If you are on the fence about subscribing to the Patreon, I highly recommend it. Because honestly, like, even if you don't listen every month, just the extras that Amy provides to the Patreon community are just amazing, too. And plus, the one thing that you could probably glean just from this show is Amy is amazing. Amazing. Aww. And she has such a love for books and the craft of writing and such a respect for the authors that she talks to that all of that is well worth the price. Um, so I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you subscribe. And plus, you get to listen to my annoying voice for uh one show a month and how could you pass that up no you're my favorite person i'm so glad you're here thank you my friend i love you thank you love you too bye